You're listening to From the Beginning. I'm Jen Dudley. I'm Griffin Caprio. And this is our show about podcasters, their origins, and how they came to create their podcast. In this episode, we're talking with Sherry Walling, co-host of Zen Founder, named one of Forbes' 12 best podcasts for entrepreneurs. This was another great conversation, and the piece that stood out the most for me was hearing Sherry talk about how the podcast is really a family affair. Her co-host is her husband, and her kids have even gotten into podcasting. It's so awesome to see how she and Rob have been able to share more of themselves authentically through their podcast, and by doing so, really creating a connection with their audience. And what stood out for you, Griffin? I really like how Sherry makes a connection to the uh, mental health of entrepreneurs and how important it is. Um, to deal with the stress and uh, expectations that uh, get put on them. It's really an under-addressed aspect of being an entrepreneur. So here's Sherry's story from the beginning. We're here with Dr. Sherry Walling. Uh, Sherry is the uh, founder and owner of Zen Founder, as well as the host of the Zen Founder podcast. Welcome to the show, uh, Sherry. My pleasure, Griffin. Thanks. So if you wouldn't mind, can you tell us a little bit about you and and Zen Founder and where you're currently at? Yeah, I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and I've been married for 18 years to a serial technology entrepreneur. So I've had this like sort of odd combination of career choices that I've made throughout the course of my life that have led me to Zen Founder. Um, Historically, I've been a traditional academic psychologist um, who has, you know, a background in research and teaching, but I found that I wasn't really thriving within a traditional university tenure structure. And so um, largely because I had this exposure to entrepreneurship and was hanging out with all these technology founders, and saw this need for someone to help fill the gap in conversation about mental health in that community. Um, Zen Founder is sort of this combination of that. It's entrepreneurs and conversations about mental health. And the podcast has really driven a lot of my reach and ability to engage folks in that kind of conversation. So interestingly enough, um, that's a, a topic obviously that is very, um, very um, in the zeitgeist and in the moment right now, especially in technology and, and entrepreneurship. How did the uh, how did you decide the podcast was a good fit for one of the ways that you were going to kind of communicate and, and discuss about that topic? I think it's a good fit for me, for who I am personally. There wasn't any grand like business vision behind starting the podcast. It. It is something that interests me. My husband has had a podcast. I'd done a podcast before, before I started Zen Founder. So I had some experience doing it. I knew how to do it. I knew I could do it on my own and do it for cheap if I needed to, but also, you know, was familiar with what it might look like to grow that audience. So I I've, have found it easier to process verbally, I think, than I have to produce a lot of writing content. So it was sort of like a podcast or a blog. And I thought, well, a podcast is just a better fit. It's going to be easier for me to like be able to deliver on that every week. Yeah. And so what's the connection between the podcast and your primary business? How do you, how do you use the podcast to um, support or uh, enable the, the primary business? The podcast came first, actually, before my consulting business. So the kind of order of events was... 
I started doing some conference presentations about mental health among entrepreneurs. And there was enough momentum and interest and, you know, conversations on Twitter that made me think there's enough interest here. Maybe I should do a podcast about this. And then there was enough of a response and people who are interested that people started contacting me and saying like, Hey, do you like do consulting about this? So that really led me to, um, to launch Zen Founder as it is now as a, you know, a confirm a firm that offers a variety of services to entrepreneurs and their families related to mental health and wellness. So interestingly enough, you said something there that, that kind of perked my ears. So you said, and their families. So I think most people are familiar with like um, individuals receiving coaching or um, mentorship or direction from someone such as yourself. Can you explain a little bit how um, your interaction might extend to those uh, people with families? Yeah, I think that's one of the distinctives of our podcast, actually, and of the work that we do is that... Um, I come at my work as a psychologist, as you know, a professional with this deep training, and now I'm a business owner, but I have this huge experience of 18 years of being the significant other of a startup founder, which is its own like world in and of itself. And I think being able to bring some of that angle into the conversation has been really important because you know, some of the reviews that we have on iTunes and some of the feedback that we've gotten about the podcast is that it's like the one podcast that that founders will listen to with their significant others or both part you know both people in a partnership will listen to it and and be able to talk back and forth about oh this is some ways we could set up the schedule for our family to optimize your ability to work but also not totally stress ourselves out so that we're we're miserable in our relationship because starting a business is hard so you said the podcast came first and then the business and you've been running the podcast for almost four years. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Three and a half. Mm-hmm. So what now is the, uh, what connection do you have with the listeners of the podcast or, or how often um, do, they, do they become clients or vice versa? That's a really good question. And I don't know that I have traced that as accurately as I should, but I will say that um actually, I think I can say this with pretty much 100% certainty that all of the people who choose to work with me have been referred by someone that they trust. So if you're a business owner or the significant other of business owner or someone who has a lot on the line professionally, and you're going to talk with someone about what's not going well, or your, you know, your tendency toward depression or the conflict that you're having with your significant other, you want to be able to trust that person. So people who come and work with me come and work with me because someone has said, has vouched for me essentially, has said this person knows what they're talking about and they're trustworthy. So the podcast, I think, helps to build that sense of trust. You have this relationship with your audience members. They know you. They know your voice. They can invest something like 200 hours in just listening to me and and my husband largely talk about our lives and our work and how we think about what it means to thrive in your business. So um, I think it helps to establish me as a known entity, but it also, I think, helps to establish this place that I live in public where people have a sense of knowing me and people have a sense of seeing my work over time. And, and that creates a relationship that then builds the, the possibility of trust later. I think that's 
a really excellent testament to the value of podcasting as a medium in being able to create that sense of intimacy with what is effectively a one-way conversation. I know. Isn't that interesting? I mean, people will hear my voice um, like at a conference Mm -hmm. and they will recognize it and have a reaction, which is totally weird. But I feel the same way about like Ira Glass. Like I have this huge Mm -hmm. crush on Ira Glass and, you know, I have like my own podcast heroes and I know their voices anywhere. Mm -hmm. And if I heard them without even seeing their faces, I would sort of have this reaction to like, I know you, I've spent hours listening to you. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm sure having you and your husband on the podcast as well, like you said, it's that kind of you are living in public, something that is part of your business and is the service that you're offering other people. So I'm sure that deepens that sense of trust. Yeah, I hope so. We try to be really thoughtful about how much of our personal lives are out there on the internet. But, um, you know, generally I think going back to that issue of trust, if people are going to believe that you have solutions for them or that you can be helpful or that you get it, part of the narrative that you're telling over the course of time in your podcast is communicating like, I get it. I might not have all the answers, but I get it. I get how challenging it is to, you know, grow a thriving business and like still remember to take your kids to school on time and make their lunch, which doesn't always happen. Yeah, there's a there's a reality to the situation that uh, I think most people forget about, and there's a narrative um, around kind of entrepreneurship and and owning your own business that is very much around kind of like you should be killing yourself. It should be very difficult. You should be sacrificing everything, and if you don't, you're not uh, real, and you're not committed, and you're not um, someone that other people should take seriously. Um, and I think that's partly a narrative from, uh, I think, kind of some of the investor community, but I also think that's a really kind of like toxic peer narrative, um, especially in the media and the press. And I think, you know, podcasts such as yourself and, and you know, the, the podcasts that your husband runs with Mike um, are great examples of kind of surfacing the, the fact that, you know, those stories are a very small percentage of, yeah. of things out there. Yeah, I think, you know, my husband Rob's podcast is called Startups for the Rest of Us. And I think Zen Founder very much follows in that tempo of like, we are real people who um, are trying to live our lives and be in families and be in friendships and take care of our bodies and also still grow business. And that's much, much harder than me then people make it sound in, you know, sound bites from a medium article or podcast about how you grew your audience to 2 million people since yesterday. And you now make $5 million since last Monday. And it's like, those, those are, maybe they're true, but they're exceptional if they are true. Yeah. And more importantly, uh, your kids don't care about, uh, the new lifetime value that you figured out for your clients or, the customer acquisition or the analytics or revenue or anything like that. And so uh, making sure that those two worlds are both supported and connected is incredibly important because they are so uh, kind of often treated as disconnected. Yeah, I think it's, it's this ongoing attempt to find the balance between being someone who is smart and motivated and wants to do interesting things in the world and who also values relationships and values sanity and, you know, wants to spend at least like some time going on walks or watching Netflix and sort of living like a normal human being. I think there's also that element of 
relationship and connection and communication within a business and within a company and with your coworkers that I've I'm glad is getting a lot more attention and people are talking a lot more about because I think that's also important. We spend tons of time at work and it can't all be heads down kind of in the grind and recognizing one another as, as people who have all of those needs, I think is also really important. Yeah. I think one of the most important contributions that, that the Zen founder conversation makes is to remind leaders and entrepreneurs that your investment in your people, their well-being is a tremendous investment in your business. Because I think there there are these other models which basically like use people like kindling, like let's burn them up, let's get the most possible spark we can out of them, let's get their best ideas and then we're going to move on to like the next the next load of kindling. And you know, I think over the long run, I just don't believe that, that that's the best way to build a business, not to mention it's just sort of a crappy way to be a human. So I think trying to help people get a little bit more creative, be a little bit more mindful, maybe go a little bit slower, maybe not grow so very fast, but grow better and grow in a way that's sustainable both for you as the founder or leader and for all of the team members that work with you and for you. Yeah, it, it- it's, a, it's an analogy that's very apt. You know, I, I've, I've often referred to um, that very similar analogy in terms of batteries and the idea that people are batteries for other people's machines. And if you don't understand that, you know, not to say that it's good or bad, but to challenge if that is the right thing for you and not just accept it as a default, like most things in life, um, you have choices and you should look at that and say, I choose this or I don't choose that very, you know, intentionally. Yeah, there's not one way to do this. Right. There are varieties of ways that work for you as a leader or you as an employee, if that's the situation. So interestingly enough, you, you talked about how the podcast actually came first and then the business followed out of, of that. Do you have any goals for the podcast in and of itself? And how do you measure success? Oh, I'm the worst at this. <laughs> um, I We track the metrics in terms of downloads and things like that. I never look at them. Um, They don't matter to me very much. I think the metrics that I pay attention to are the emails that I get or the people that grab me at a conference or in person and, and, you know, start launching in about how the podcast helped them have an important conversation with their husband or their wife. Um, I also honestly measure it a lot by like my level of joy and interest. Like, does it, does it feel like it's a meaningful contribution to the world? That's why I do it or don't do it. If I'm bored, it shows. So I think, um, you know, my desire for the podcast over the next couple of years is to continue to have like really interesting conversations where I am learning something where I feel like it's a meaningful contribution to the people who happen to listen. Um, but I don't, I'm not uh, real good probably at running in a very metrics business or a metrics driven business in, in, this, in that particular sense. Well, I think there's something to be said for um, the in, untangible metrics. And I mean, you've been running this podcast for three and a half years and gotten recognition from that. So uh, I think sometimes we can get too hung up on the numbers and the metrics. Um, anyways, I also happen to take a similar philosophy to lots of things. So I'm a bit biased. Um, you talked about your 
kind of your feel for it and you still being engaged, are there things in particular or what is it that you, uh, that keeps you motivated or that you get most excited about in continuing to run the podcast? I think as the podcast has, has been around for a while and has grown, it gives me access to be able to talk to lots of interesting people. So it, it helps me to grow my network and that's exciting to me, but also, you know, to have conversations where I'm really learning something or I'm um, kind of expanding my view of the world or there are conversations that I would want to listen to. That is exciting to me. Um, I think some, sometimes we've, we've tackled really difficult topics. I think we've had three or four podcast episodes where we've talked about suicide um, which is certainly not something that comes up in a lot of podcasts. The next one we're releasing is about kids and mental health. So I feel like when we're producing content that I just don't see popping up in other places, that's really satisfying to me because I feel like it does um, fill a void in what people are willing to kind of talk about in public. Um, and I, you know, I think that's meaningful. That's why we're here. I think that's really important because like you said, there, I think there's a lot of conversations these days in particular that need to be had that aren't necessarily being had or certainly not in public. Are there other topics that you haven't covered yet that are ones that you are considering or that you would like to at some point? I think I would like to talk. Well, there's so many topics. There's so many things to talk about. Um, and I think there are ways to talk about things like um, conflict within a, within a marriage or within a, an intimate relationship that probably could be addressed better within the entrepreneurial world. Um, so that's something that I, I'd like to talk more about or spend some time on. We are talking a little bit more about parenting in the next couple of months and targeting, um, you know, mental health challenges related to parenting. A lot of founders are raising really high IQ kids and high IQ kids have a higher likelihood of anxiety and um, difficulty in social relationships. And I think those are things that like, you know, when you get together over dinner with people and you talk to them about their families and the struggles that they face. But again, those conversations aren't necessarily had publicly under the umbrella of entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's one of the areas that I think is um, often neglected. Um, there's so much focus on kind of the, the young college dropout, you know, white male founder sitting in, in his room with a hoodie um, that you realize that that's kind of the minority and that there's a significant amount of people that um, don't fit that mold. And I think bringing parenting into the into the equation is a, is a great kind of service to that because everyone thinks they're a terrible parent. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. And I think entrepreneurs, it's doubly so because of the the time and the dedication running a business takes and the guilt that comes with that in terms of sacrificing or potentially thinking you're sacrificing time with your kids or time with your family. Yeah, I think some of those decisions become more challenging when you run your own business. And ostensibly, you have control over your schedule. And so you're always choosing. You're always choosing 
do I go pick my kid up or do I stay for this late meeting? Do I show up for my family in this way or do I double down on giving more time and energy to my business? And they feel a lot like these dichotomous choices. And of course, they're, they're much more fluid than that. But entrepreneurship comes with this sort of burden of choice that you know, someone who works for someone else and it's like, you have to show up at eight and you can leave at 4.30. Like you don't have that same kind of like existential dilemma every day. Yeah, I know that every networking event I go to is a, uh, a bedtime I miss. Um, and I'll get a, a FaceTime call at some point with my kids saying goodnight to me. And, you know, that's hard. It's really hard to to go through that. But, you know, know that, well, there's this meeting I need to go to or this event or this conference. So... And it goes both ways too, right? Like hopefully your kids are also seeing that you make cool things. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids um, have reached, they're about five episodes into a podcast that has not yet been released. It exists just in our living room right now. But they, they know that their parents' podcasts, they have been on both of our podcasts and they've um, done intros or been guests or we've interviewed them about topics. And so they know that mom and dad's job involves making something. And they get inspired by that too. So, you know, I think that the entrepreneurial life kind of cuts both ways. Yes, you're, you're distracted a lot. Your mind is occupied. But if you get to model what it's like to kind of craft a business that is interesting and creative, then I think that's a great opportunity to launch kids into this um, way of seeing the world that is full of opportunity and the ability to create yeah, I think teaching them uh, that possibilities and um, openness doesn't end when you turn 18. And yeah. it's like, well, now you're an adult and you got to go in the real world. And in the real world, it's not fun and you don't get to do what you want and you don't get to create. I actually honestly get to tell my kids, like, I have so much more fun now that I'm 40 than I did when I was when I was nine. I mean, I had fun when I was nine, too. But like, there's just so many people you have to answer to. And I think as an adult, if you play your cards right, like it can be a pretty enjoyable time. Yeah, absolutely. And I want my kids to see that. I want them to be hopeful for the duration of their lives. Like mm-hmm. the worst thing you want for your kids is for them to peak in high school. And I mean, nobody, nobody wants that. You spend the next 60 years sort of talking about the good old days when you were high school quarterback and that that's not enough time to really experience the joy of life. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about your kids uh, producing a podcast. Is that something that um, they are working on on their own or with any of their friends? Is like is podcasting something that has kind of bled into other areas of your life? They there are three of them, so it's a collaborative effort between the three of them, which is really the most number of hosts you want in a podcast, in my opinion. Um, they haven't yet like launched it, but they have been talking about it with people and they don't, I don't think they know other kids in elementary school who are doing podcasts. So they, I think they feel like they're sort of on the edge of something that other kids are, are not yet knowing how to do. So my eight year old is the editor and he added, he added it, edits it uh, in GarageBand and just like makes it makes it work. I didn't teach him how to do that. He sort of figured it out. Wow. That's fantastic. Uh, I imagine that's a, an interesting sibling dynamic to produce a podcast together. 
Yeah, so they're 12, 8, and 7, and they have really clear roles in the sense that the 12-year-old is the foreman. He's like, here's the outline. Here's what we're going to talk about. You say this. You do this. He sort of directs people. So he's the director, I guess. And then the youngest Genesis is like the the sweet comedic yeah like enthusiasm and then you know there's this sort of banter between the two boys so they each have this this role that they play in the podcast um which i think makes it really fun for me as their mom i don't know if anyone else is gonna find it even tolerable but i get like a tremendous amount of joy from listening to it that's awesome and what an amazing um kind of artifact that will be at some point to have. So it's, uh, it's like the new version of, of all the home movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think one of the things that we found is podcasting in and of itself is one of the most diverse mediums that I think I've ever seen both, both in terms of host makeup as well as topics and focus. And I'm kind of curious, do you, um, uh, obviously you and your husband have been in podcasting for a while. Do you interact with the community um, as a whole from a podcasting standpoint, or do you kind of just keep focused on on the entrepreneurship um, aspect of things? You know, that's actually something that is a goal for me as a podcaster is to um, really take myself seriously as someone who participates in this form of media and be more part of that community. I think a lot of my friends have podcasts just by nature of who I hang out with. So I bump up against a lot of other people and we talk about microphones and we talk about, are you doing seasons? Are you doing weekly? Like, what what do you think? Um, But a, a group of folks that I know went to a couple podcast conferences this this year, which really hadn't been on my radar. I, I haven't identified myself as, um, I guess, as closely to the form of media as maybe, you know, I could, like I've been doing it for years. I'm absolutely a podcaster. No one can argue with that. (laughs) I've got the uh, number of episodes to prove it. Um, But that's something that I think would be fun is to, to be more in the in the weeds with people who are also making things in this way. Yeah. Jen and I went to podcast movement this year and just seeing and meeting all the various uh, people from around the world that attended and um, hearing their stories and seeing kind of like the energy. And um, it was really truly impressive for our first, you know, kind of like big podcast event. It was, it was pretty cool. So where do you see, uh, Zen founder as both a business as well as a podcast going next. Uh, I know you talked about topics that you want to, that you want to touch on. Um, but is there anything from a a business standpoint that you, or a podcasting standpoint that you want to tackle? I think we're in the midst of some discussion about where it will go. So I don't have a good five point list of goals for you. Um, But I think because my husband sold his business and is now sort of transitioned out of being a founder himself, it raises the question of how does this fit in? Um, How does it fit in for me? Am am I still going to spend my work life focused on founder mental health or is it time for a shift or transition? So I think either whatever we do, like the people who listen to the podcast will be in on that decision-making process the whole way, I'm sure, which is part of that relationship uh, 
capital that we have, um, that whatever we do, if we decide to change it significantly, people will know exactly why that happened and how it happened and all the conversations around it, I'm sure. So, so that was a very vague answer, but. <laughs> well, it was a real one, which is, is what counts. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. <laughs> um, and uh, again, I think that's my answer to quite a lot of things. Um, so if, if people who aren't already listening to Zen Founder are wanting to and wanting to hear how that plays out, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Zenfounder.com is where I live. Yeah. Um, and we have lots of, I th- we're approaching episode 200. So there's lots of content there and uh, blog and just everything that we can think of that would be helpful to people who are thinking about mental health and business. Fantastic. Well, I have to say thank you for uh, creating the community and the space that you have um, with Zen Founder. It's definitely one that is uh, very much needed. And congrats on the 200th episode uh, upcoming. And thanks for talking with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much, Sherry. And we'll make sure that those links and anything else that we mentioned today are all uh, kind of linked up in the show notes. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. This has been another episode of From the Beginning. Editing and theme music was provided by Roy Matz. Thank you for listening.